mentally, you might have someone might have to accept the fact that it's not coming back. Try to keep it from getting any weaker. Unfortunately, that's the best you can do, but you got a person would have to do that. Otherwise, you sit on the couch and it's all over. Hello, everyone. This is Chris and Lizzo. We are a brother-sister team. That's right. And on behalf of the Charcot-Marie Tooth Association, a.k.a. CMTA, we are coming at you. Coming at you from coast to coast. I'm in California and Chris is in Vermont. That's right. And this is another episode of our podcast name. What, Lizzo? CMT for me. CMT, the number four, me. That's right, CMT for Me, a community-focused podcast dedicated to those with CMT, giving them a voice in the community to share their stories, good or bad, successes, challenges, and much, much more. Chris, talking about the community, I'm so grateful to our CMT community for reaching out, sharing their stories, having fun with the podcast. The caliber of people we've had and we've met on this show is just incredible. CMT is such a challenging disease, but these folks we've interviewed these past few years see these challenges as stepping stones to a better life. Wouldn't you agree, Chris? Dude, I'm talking to you. I'm talking about the ch- they're using the stepping stones to a better... Hey, Chris, Yo, yeah, what are you yeah. doing? Just playing drums. You remember I'm an accomplished drummer? I, I, I never Remember my, my sold out shows? Accomplished drummer together when I thought about you. Oh, yeah. I was in the marching band in fifth grade. You didn't do the, the snare drum. Oh, yeah, I did. No, you didn't. You, you forgot. did a trombone or something. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, I don't know. I, I, I play all sorts of musical instruments. I'm really good. Awesome. You could hear this guy, Ricky, play his drums. Take it away, Ricky. You. Well, you're so, going to have a lot in common with our guest today, Ricky Biagiola. He's ooh. a drummer. I know it's a cool name, Biagiola. It is. I, I like it. No, if I'm saying it right, it's a Ricky oh Biagiola. And he's a drummer of a very well-known group, The Outsiders, who sold wow. over a million copies of their 1966 song, Time Won't Let Me. Well, folks, go and look up that song. We are excited to have you, Ricky. Thanks so much for coming on our podcast. How you doing? I'm just fine, and thank you for having me. You got it, of course. So, Ricky, I think you've reformed this group. So that was a 1966 hit. So, I mean, I saw you, I don't know, it was a black and white video on YouTube, and you're up there. It doesn't even look like you have black glasses, and you're just like, Oh, yeah, he looked cool. Yeah, you looked really cool. And then the drummer was so cute. And there was a dude with the drum and his hair just kind of funneled over into his head. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where were you when that was filmed? That was filmed. Well, you have to be uh, almost a senior citizen to remember this. That was a television show called Shindig, which was on at the same time as another similar show called Hullabaloo. So that would have been in the middle 60s. Uh, I don't even remember the location. It was probably New York. That's exciting. It was really cool watching that. And so now you're reforming this band with different people calling it the Outsiders also, right? In 2017, I got a call from a promoter in Indiana that said, asked me if I was interested in 
reforming the outsiders because he himself had some interest in presenting, a, I guess they would call it a heritage group, but at the time there was none. I had been playing all along locally here in Cleveland in Ohio. Because of the interest that he expressed, I put together a new outsiders band after 56 years. Wow. Unfortunately, three of the original members have passed away. Just myself and Bill, the guitar player, has left somewhere in Tennessee. We stay in touch by phone, but I don't even know where he is exactly. He's kind of a recluse. He has a little cabin in the forest somewhere, but he prefers it that way. But again, he's the only one left, and we do keep in touch. Like I said, the other three members have passed, and I remember them well, and we were friends. Yeah, no, that's great. It's so cool that you continue to play drums as well. And did you start playing drums maybe around the age of 14 or so, 12 or 14? Well, at 14, that was like probably the first job I played that we got paid. Oh, I started taking lessons at 11. I took lessons for a couple of years from the same gentleman. And that's where I met a couple of guitar students that were a year older than I was. So they would be in, they would have been in the ninth grade. I would have been in the seventh grade. But mm-hmm. um, that's when that started. We got together probably at my mother's house, like it, like it always was. And yep. uh, we learned, I don't know, three or four songs. And we I think we went to play somewhere and nobody sang. So we played this same three or four songs over and over for about an hour and a half. So. <laughs> and what attracted you to the drums and not like guitar or something like what was the connection there? Well, it's hard to say. I had an early like for music, and a mm-hmm. lot of it was very. It was varied. I would say that right about that time, which would put us in the late fifties, rock and roll music started to become popular on the radio, and there was always a rhythm thing, a beat that I felt connected to, attracted to. Tried to copy. My dad and my mom, they're very supportive in sending me to the local music school to take lessons. And, oh, uh, cool. So your dad died at a very young age, right? You were like 11? That's correct. Gosh, that's that's tragic. Did you and your mom talk about it and you decided to move on? And how was that? I'm sorry to say at that young age, I didn't realize the impact that was going to come shortly after. I kind of just carried on. My mother eventually sold uh, my father's hair salon. Oh. And we moved closer to my mother's brothers, my uncles. Okay. And not that they were so supportive either, but it was better to be close to, for my mother to be close to her family when she needed a hand. Of course, they would help her out. But yeah, it's, I, we probably, we talked about that before. Not that it's the story of my life, but uh, my mother and four brothers came from Italy. Their parents passed away when they were young and they got sent back to Italy to an orphanage and they grew up in the orphanage until they were old enough to come to the U S all kinds of history stories. Two of my mother's brothers could not come back to the U S as, as hard as she tried to contact the state department because they were forced to serve in Mussolini's army. And as a result, they were not able to come to the U.S. as immigrants. So two brothers right. came, two brothers stayed, and my mother was able to be here. So anyway. It's a, a crazy story. It's an interesting the, story, though. 
It is. Did the two brothers ever make it to the U.S. Never. after they, they served in the military? They passed away in Italy. The two brothers here served in the American Army when they became old enough. Mm-hmm. So my mother was the oldest of the siblings. Yeah. She came in 1948. My dad came a year earlier. Yeah. Chris, can you imagine then, picking up your family and moving to a no, different country no, and starting a new? No. I mean, I just can't. I don't even speak the language. Where do you, yeah, what support Where do you, you have? I mean, that's at, pretty impressive. You started, you a beauty salon. Your mother was yeah. a seamstress. Yeah. Wow. And he turned out okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. He's, he's fine. <laughs> so, Ricky, tell us a little bit about your CMT. What type of CMT do you have? I was diagnosed in 2016 by Dr. Shai at the University of Iowa as type 2F. Type 2F. Prior to that, I guess it was called a motor neuropathy with conduction block. Yeah. Uh, So this is what they said, which I don't even know what this means. He was diagnosed at the Cleveland Clinic with multifocal neuropathy with conduction block, whatever that means. Yeah. What is that? I don't know. It's nothing. Right. (laughs) It's not what uh, he has. The doctors here are not specialists no uh, of course not and here in cleveland i had the fortunate connection to get to the university of iowa to go through the testing there that didn't come until way later after i had been how can i put it i wouldn't say suffering from cmt but i had contracted the weakness and all that way years before probably i'm going to go back to 1998 is when it Mm. started to seriously cause me so you were an athlete, Ricky. How did you like, were you thinking like, oh my God, what's going on with my body? Or did you say, oh, what's going on with my body? I don't care. I'll just keep going. No, I, I, I was bothered. I was troubled because after playing music for so many years, and then the time came when I was unable to support my family by playing music, I had looked for work and I did not pursue an education back then, so I did construction work. That was the easiest way for me to make a living. And of course, having a weakness and a balance issue, trying to do construction work and be on ladders and things, it was tough. And uh, no, I didn't know what was happening. I, I uh, The neurologists here were sympathetic, but couldn't pinpoint anything or recommend anything. So it was just make your life adjustment, whatever it takes. And we'll see you again in six months. We can see if it gets any worse or not. So your comment, just so I was clear, it's so you, did you have a dream to like you reference support your family through music? Like, was that yours? One of the dreams is you really wanted to be a musician to support your family, but then the CMT actually made that challenging for you? Actually, I liked having a family. I had a family at 20 years old. Music was As important as it was to me at that time, it was more important to figure out a way to support them. I always played. I always managed to have somebody contact me or my own friends around town after the Outsiders sort of disbanded and lost popularity as groups do. I worked full time and I played. It was tough because... (laughs) Again, I didn't really have any higher education, so it was just a typical blue-collar guy from Cleveland. Tell us a little bit about 2F, and maybe, Lizzo, you have some insight there. How is that different than 1A? And I mean, it's progressive. What do we find in terms of the population differences? And is 2F pretty rare? Is that rare? 
it's a lot less common the, right. like you mentioned 1a than 1a um, sure my heart goes out to some of the folks that post on the cmt chat on the forum they hurt they, their feet hurt they have pain they can't sleep they have breathing issues i don't know how i ended up being blessed enough that my type 2f does not cause me any pain i have muscle loss i have muscle atrophy legs and and forearms and my hands that's why i wear gloves most of the time okay I'm blessed that it doesn't hurt. And I feel so bad for people that say I, I fell down because my knee folded and my leg gave out or whatever, but it's not as common as most of the others. And uh, I'm fortunate that way. I have the sensory part of it. Okay. I can feel, I get cold easily, as you can imagine, hands and feet. There's so many odd variations of yeah. this. I don't know how there's subtypes make you dizzy trying to figure out. How many twos or threes there are? And I I'm know. Z, so it's interesting, I, Ricky, that you we think of CMT as a, a motor sensory disorder, but it's really great to know that some people don't have that sensory dysfunction. So you can feel and you're not losing sensation, you don't have pain, but it's a fully motor dysfunction where it affects your muscles and walking and movement, right? And your hands right. and atrophy. Right. I read that it was autosomal dominant, meaning that someone could have passed it on to you and you have the capacity or you could pass it on to your kids, like a 50-50 chance. Is that what you were told? And do you know if anybody in your family having CMT from your background or your kids or? I would be heartbroken if any of my children started to display symptoms. Uh, fortunately, they have not. And beyond that, I don't know if it would go I guess it would skip a generation if it decided to. My daughter is 54 years old and mm -hmm. her children, I, we mentioned that too before, they're very right. athletic and yeah. they don't show any symptoms at all. Lois is my second wife, bless her. We've been married for 41 years. Wow. And as far as symptoms in my family, no, I'm the only one. Even when we traveled back to Italy to visit my mother's family there, cousins, nephews, there, no one really displays any type of, there's no conditions. It just happened yeah. to pick on me. So uh, I'm grateful for that. And here in the U.S., I have two cousins left and they are fine. They don't show any weakness either. I wanted to go back to something you said, because a lot of people think that CMT can skip generations, but it doesn't. And people think that because it might be just a mild case and people don't think that that person has and they don't get diagnosed, then it shows up worse in the next generation. So there's no rhyme or reason that next generation is affected more or less, but it doesn't skip generations. So that's a really interesting thing to tell people because people think that all the time. I'm glad to know. And after all this time having it, I didn't ever, I first right. I heard that it wouldn't right. do that. So I'm grateful right. again. They're not showing any signs. Right. That's great. Yeah. Have you ever had discussions with your wife, Lois, about what if my kids had it? Or have they asked you about it, your children? Like, why you know, are your hands like that? Why are your legs like that? You know what, Liz? My son is an RN. My daughter, like I said, is a hairdresser. She's 54 years old. She said, you know what? Eh. She said, if I start to feel it, she says, we'll deal with it then. There you go. My kids are strong-minded. 
and my son, especially being a healthcare in the healthcare field, he says, yeah, he says, different. Now, my son is different mother is Lois's son with me. My daughter is my ex-wife's daughter. So neither mm-hmm. one of them is displaying. So Lois had no part in this. So it's just for me. But uh, no, they there's no apprehension. There's none of that. That's Everyone's awesome. Well, they got that and- from you, that great attitude. That's what I think. So if my math is correct, it sounded like you started to kind of have symptoms or ankle related issues in 1990. I think that's what you said. So you were already married to Lois at that time, right? Because you've been married 40 years. So tell us a little bit about that journey. What type of role did she play for you as you were starting to feel these symptoms? And or once you finally came to the diagnosis by Shah, what, what type of role did Lois play for you? And was that important as you navigated through this? Well, first, of course, I have to say she couldn't be more supportive, but she's creative minded as well. So mm-hmm. at the time, for the first five years, 1988, I was a meter reader for the electric company, which had me walking miles oh. and miles a day. Oh, gosh. Right. Wintertime, summertime, residential neighborhoods, industrial neighborhoods, all that. If I say, I twisted my ankle today. I stepped on a small stone and, and my ankle went like this. So she says, well, okay, why don't you try higher work boots? I said, yeah, so that's a good idea. It happened a little more frequently. I went to the high work boots. Then that still wasn't supportive enough to keep my ankle from rolling if I stepped on something mm-hmm. uneven. She said, Maybe try wrapping your ankles with ACE bandages around bottom of the foot and around the ankle. Lois worked at the hospital. She's been there 42 years. Same hospital my son works at here in University Hospital. But anyways, she always came up with an idea. And even now, I really rely on her for a little bit of in, uh, innovativeness, a little bit mm-hmm. of vision about how to... I know you can't do this way because of the way your hands are or the way your feet are. Or why don't we try this? Yeah, she gets it and I'm blessed. So My she's very solution oriented, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, that must have been great and continues to be great having that relationship, right? Where you can bounce those it ideas off of someone and get their input. Yeah, it is great with her. My My working career was not so great because I couldn't have chose a worse occupation that to, to have what I have and try and function as a construction worker. It was just awful. Mm-hmm. I was always the guy that lifts or the guy that needs help carrying the ladder. And that caused me issues year after year. So how did that anyway, make you feel? How'd that make you feel when you're in the work environment and, oh, hey, help Ricky with the ladder? Or did people poke fun at you or were they, how'd you feel in that environment? First, it was awful. I, I, have to I imagine. You. I had union jobs, not to get into all that sort of thing, but I was okay with the power company. I was okay walking to read meters. We got promoted to a residential installations, which is the pipe on the house and the meter, the, mm-hmm. you know, the electric meter. But it also involved climbing wooden poles, 30 or 35 feet, and stringing the wire from the house to the pole. So anyway, oh. I was able to do that. That would have been a career job, quite honestly, except that the and conglom- electrical conglomerate merged with this power company here, and they saw fit to lay off the field workers, kept their own, and laid off the the Cleveland field workers. So uh, I had to find another job. I went to the electricians' union. Uh, 
was okay for a while, but when you have a union job like that, and I mentioned that before too, here I am 52 years old, uh, starting a new line of work, even though I was familiar with the outdoor part of it. I wasn't familiar with, I had to learn the indoor part of it, which is fuse boxes, plugs, switches, breakers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know all about all, that. Stuff. All this. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, 24 amp, 22, whatever it takes, nine volt, yeah, 10 volt, 220, yeah. 221, whatever. doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, I was easily disposed of whenever it got to be an issue. Well, you know what? We're paying this guy the same as we pay the guy that's 30 years old and six foot two and real strong. We'll find a way to send him back. We have to lay him off. So my working career as an electrician in the union was very sporadic. And I managed, Lois was working again at the time at the hospital. So she carried as much load as I did. When I got to where I could get out and retire as early as I could, yeah, I had to do it. I had to do it because yeah. it just wasn't. And when you asked how I felt, I felt shitty. Forgive me. Yeah, it's hard for me to imagine. And then I'm thinking about you with Lois, right? Because that can really shatter your confidence, I would imagine. And nice you know probably what? having her around to be that positive person to lean on when those times are tough. That's exactly right. She's a good supporter. And all through this, uh, in spite of the little the balance issues and the muscle weakness, I was still able to play the drums. So I, at least awesome. I had at the time when the being a career musician ended and I had to start working, I still managed to play. We played on the weekends and not terribly frequently, but a couple times a month, sometimes three times. That sort of backed me up. It backed up my brain as to know that I wasn't going to be completely invalid. I got some terrible diagnoses over the years from doctors here. Like what? Like, what would they say to you? This is like part of the story of a lot of people with CMT. They're given these like horrible outcomes or futures and people fall into that when it's not even true. Yeah. Well, things like, well, I don't think you're going to end up in a wheelchair or at first I thought you had Lou Gehrig's disease, not to disparage the physicians here in Cleveland. Well, they're yeah, learning as well. There were no specialists here for CMT. I searched out the head of the neurological department and again, a nice guy. And yeah. we did the tests. We did all the tests. It came up multifocal motor neuropathy with conduction block because of that. But unlike so many others, I'm again, I'm blessed not to have pain, but you can see I can't willfully straighten my fingers. I can't willfully move my ankles or toes. They're there. I can mm-hmm. move them with my hands, right? but I can't look. I could stare at my feet all day and they would never move if I tried. My heart goes out to people that actually are, are hurting. Hmm. I'm sorry, forgive me. I don't want to get emotional. Uh, but anyway, okay. uh, my best to all the folks that post on the forum, on the chat. In fact, someone posted that, you know, how do you handle something or other, or my family thinks I'm faking, or there's so many ridiculous, these people, these poor people, some of them, they don't have the support system. They don't have people that care about them enough to be helpful and loving. Breaks my heart. From the emotional standpoint, you actually have such a big heart. You do. You're very (laughs) emotional, caring about other individuals. And I guess it's a nice attribute that you have there in terms of your feeling towards others. Very heartwarming. So 
So Ricky, when coworkers were giving you a hard time, was there anything in your mind that kept you going instead of falling back into depression? Like, what would you tell the kids today that are just like struggling and they can't do this or that, and they're being pulled out of this or that? How did you keep strong or what kept you strong to keep going and to get where you are today? Well, my responsibilities as a father and as a husband came first. Um, so whatever I had to deal with that worked, of course, I would bring it home and I would I would speak to Lois about it. But it's easy for me to say, you young folks out there, you you got to find the courage. You have to find a little spirit, spirit a little faith. They could hear that every day. And, mm-hmm. and it's not really going to it's not going to be helpful. It's helpful to me. That's how I was. I managed to find the heart and the courage to carry on. It was my work. Like I said, my working career was very disappointing. And it wasn't for my lack of attitude or personality. I mean, I would hear everybody likes you. You're a nice guy, but you're not able to keep up. So I'm going to have to lay you off. That was unfortunately the last 10 years of my life before I retired that was what I had to deal with. Before that, I could manage well enough. Hmm. The, my my CMT had, it stopped progressing okay. for a good long while. And I was able to deal with it, like I said, being working outdoors, part of a two-man crew. I wasn't in a on a construction site, a building or a, a housing development where people would be all over would be seeing me. I was with one guy. One guy was understanding enough. I really, my advice is only my advice as a non-healthcare person, not a physician, not a nurse, only that that's one of the hardest things I would say is to find the strength in your own mind, in your own heart to accept the fact that those are stairs over there, no railing. I got to go around this way because I know my limitations or not to just sit down and say, I can't go any farther because I can't get to where I need to be without help from somebody or something. So that's all here. Mm-hmm. And that's all how much courage you have. I'm not a, I don't know if you call me a, a tough guy or a fighter, but I think I have enough inner strength to 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 deal with it. And even now, I mean, yeah, now I've had it for 40 years. But for somebody that is realizing it's going to, it's a progressively weakening thing and they have that to look forward to, that's tough to find the mental strength to accept that and make your life adjustments. It is. It's life. Chris, we talked about that. Life adjustments. My hands are weak, so I wear gloves. I use a cane inside my house because at any given time, if I'm not holding on to one thing... I don't have good balance. So mm-hmm. whether it's a wall or a kitchen cabinet or a doorknob or whatever, we have a little place, we have a little two bedroom condominium and, and I could get around and know where things are, but, but yeah, I, it's, it's consciousness knowing that maneuvering during the day, what it's going to take, what you can see ahead of you to prepare. There's a dip in the parking lot. I'm going to go around that. So I don't have to walk through it. When I'm outdoors, I use two. They're like crutches. Yeah. One is not enough. So I can avoid curbs if I have to walk a little farther. Instead of trying to step up a curb, I can you find the ramp that goes up. 
and our railing or all that. Yeah, it, you, that awareness comes, but back to the mental thing, it's certainly, it, it's challenging. And there are some days when you couldn't be more discouraging, but mm-hmm. still drawing breath. You have people that care about you and for their sake and for your own. Beautiful. That's thank yep. you for that. Yeah. I was wondering as well, just thinking, going back to drumming and drums, what role has playing the drums played in your life? You talked to some folks about music and it takes them to another place or helps them deal with certain things. And I'm curious how you feel when you're playing the drums and maybe it's just not drums, but music in general, right? What role does that play in your life or has played in your life? From an early age, it was a serious interest of mine. I was blessed with the talent to look, to learn and copy what I might hear, try to reproduce it as I heard it authentically from people that performed in the first place. If I heard something I really liked, I would try it. My parents indulged me. I had a set of drums at, at age 12 and real ones. And I spent a lot of time copying the people that I admired. That's a good way to put it. Okay. Uh, I've always, ever since that, ever since then, I've always played in one form or another. I hope I'm not coming off as a person with an ego because I absolutely do not have an ego. I have confidence, Chris, here in town in Cleveland from my history with the Outsiders, being a uh, part of a national act. It wasn't my act, but mm-hmm. I was part of a national act. A lot of people know me by reputation, if not the fact that we're friends. And that's why I was always able to play here in town. And now more recently, we're able to, we're able to travel again. We're able to do concerts and tours. We have one coming up on uh, the Saturday before Halloween on the 28th in Columbus, Ohio. But it was an interest of mine. I was blessed with a talent to accompany the interest. And it played a big part in my personal confidence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Later on, what I was lacking in physical strength, and even today, uh, I have enough common sense to figure things out. I have enough heart and support around me to figure out how something has to be done, whether it's how should we finance this thing we need? How do we pay for this car? Do we go to this bank or do we go to the credit union? So that's all. those are all things that are, to me, as a part of a person's courage. Common sense is a, don't buy that. You won't be able to pay for it next year. And you have four more years to pay. So it's being an adult, being responsible. And like I said, I was always responsible. My family came first. And I love my children and my grandchildren. And every, everybody is doing well. And it's very heartwarming to hear that we were their example. Yeah. For yep. their to carry on with their own families. And do you think just, the drums I'm, helped your legs and your hands not atrophy as quickly or as fast? It kept sure. them strong. I think so. I see uh, again on the CMT chat, most often people that are in the healthcare field or that are aware of it say you gotta keep have to keep moving. L- uh, Lois and I go to the YMCA twice a week as a routine. I cannot, as hard as I try, I can't build up any muscle tissue. If I decide I get frustrated someday and I use too much weight or I use too many, I do something too hard or too long, I pay for it the next day. So Mm. that frustration of saying, I'm going to do this until it starts to help me. Well, it doesn't help. Right. 
My particular condition, I only hope to maintain that I try to keep myself from getting any weaker. Mm -hmm. uh, mentally, you might have someone might have to accept the fact that it's not coming back. Try to keep it from getting any weaker. Unfortunately, that's the best you can do, but you got a person would have to do that. Otherwise, you sit on the couch and it's all over. Right. Well, it's so no great. You continue to play drums and you've, you're forming this new band and you get a lot going on. It's awesome. I like this dude. I like him. I like him a lot, Chris. Yep, so should we keeper. ask him some weird and funky questions? Definitely. As we're kind of wrapping up here, Ricky, I did <laughs> yeah, think of one, though. I'm just thinking now it's, this isn't a crazy one, but what's your favorite Italian dish? Boy, you put Ooh, me on boy. the spot, Chris. OK, um, so I'm, I'm not going to wring my hands, but three years ago, I was diagnosed with celiac disease, oh. which is uh, <laughs> an allergy to gluten, to wheat products yep. that contain wheat flour right so oh guess what i spent my whole i was age 70 now i'm 75 so i said to the doctor how do i get this at age 70 when i spent my whole life eating spaghetti and pizza right. and my mother used to my mother used to make her own dough and punch it in the bowl and make pizzas <laughs> when the band the band people would come over to rehearse at my mother's house she always made pizzas and she made That's everything awesome. so now now i had to give all that up oh. because the the gluten free anything is so awful You'd, yeah. be better, you'd be better off eating this eating cardboard yeah. or that bag. Yeah, exactly. So, Put a little salt uh, on that bag and eat that. Yeah, but my I miss all that. I, every now and then I'll have gluten-free rigatoni or something. It's okay. the sauce. It's, it's the pasta itself. And it's disappointing, but it's like, well, yeah, but it still looks like it's supposed to look. It just doesn't taste <laughs> okay. like it's supposed to. I actually have been able to follow it strictly gluten-free diet and any of the people listening to the podcast or on the chat if you do your mate your personal maintenance if you can you have some form of insurance or you're able to afford to keep up your health please keep up your health hmm. don't be a tough guy don't say i'm not going or don't be afraid because you might hear something that's going to alarm you in the future if you want to be around and you have people that care if you can manage to do it, please do your, you get your oil changed in your car and you buy tires. You might as well take care of yourself too. That's right. There you go. That's right. Love that attitude. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Ricky. You were in the construction field. Why are manhole covers round? <laughs> you look at him, look at me. <laughs> oh, Why do you think? Out. Good question. Okay. You would think it would make more sense. That, well, some of them are square. They are? Yeah. Some of them are square because they hook the ladder on one side and it won't slide when they go down. Some of them have ladders built in. Once you get under the street, they're those iron rungs. I don't know. I never worked on, I never worked underground. I was always up in the air. Well, those, see, I didn't even know that about underground, the ladders and then this and the that. and the A lot of the high voltage feeds to buildings in the city are underground to keep them from damage. They're unsightly. And, yep. some, and yeah. there's huge cables like this. So they're down. Some part, some crews in the electric company would work on them down underneath the street. But anyway, I don't know why they're round. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you, easy to manufacture and install. Round covers for round manholes. Superior compression resistance. Oh, my God. Easy portability. 
He can and Google superior safety assurance. Well, there you go. So they won't fall it. through the hole. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right, I got another one here. This one, Ricky, this one might be tough, and I don't know. So if you could only choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what would it be? It's actually a classic rock song from the early 70s. Ring I Love by uh, Golden Earring. The band, I believe, they were from Sweden. It got popular here right about that time. It's not really a dancing song. It's not really a... What's the tune? Song. What's the tune? You said it's Radar Love. I know that song. Oh, Radar Love. Yeah. Radar Love. Uh, no, that's right. Oh, that's, okay. Is there a reason you like that song? Why do you love that? Yeah, song? it's got a ch- it's got a challenging drum part. Okay, uh, cool. And Radar uh, fact, Love. That's part of our that's part of our set. You gotta go listen to these guys. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Radar. and if you ever need me to fill in for the vocals, just let me know if like your <laughs> singer can't make it. I can swing in there, to... bail you guys out. <laughs> Take you to yeah, the next. We have to be able to afford to get you down from Vermont. Yeah, I, I come for free, Ricky. I come for free. Okay. So don't let him near uh, the drums, though. He'll be using his spoons, and I don't know about yeah, all. So yeah, <laughs> we're gonna so have to great. wrap it up. I could talk to you all day. I know, but thank you so much for being on our show. Really appreciate it. I hope you had fun. I did. I enjoyed talking to you both. It, it was very pleasant and uh, humorous and. I hope I, I didn't get too emotional. Some, you were perfect. Sometimes never, you were just you. be yourself. That's it. what it's all about. It's awesome. So Lizzo, if someone wants to follow us on social media, where do they go? Well, we have a Facebook and Instagram page, CMT for me podcast. That's and our right. official website is www.podpage.com backslash CMT for me and find out more info on cmtausa.org. Is that backslash or forward slash? I don't know. It's just a slash, whatever. It's forward slash, dude. Okay. Not backslash. I don't know what the difference okay. is. It goes, goes like sh- this is forward. Whatever. Not, whatever. Yeah. Come on. Let's go. All right. Okay. To our listeners, do you have a good story? Would you like to tell your story on our CMT for me podcast? Either write to us at info at cmtausa.org and pitch your idea or go to our new website, www.podpage.com forward slash CMT for me. Also, don't forget to leave us a review, a stellar review, so we can reach more folks and people get to know about us. And one way to leave a review is to go to Apple Podcasts or leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say pod page. That's like the hardest word to say. Pod page. I know. So many places to listen to our podcast, Lizzo. You can listen to this podcast, CMT for me on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Buzzsprout, and write a review as reference and share these episodes with your friends. You can find out more about The Outsiders here. TheOutsidersUSALive.com. Is that right, Ricky? Nice. And yeah, we welcome we welcome the visits real quick, if I might plug that. Yeah. Uh, we have some video there, some promotional video, still pictures from our last concert. Uh, we have some merchandise as usual. And if anybody is interested... There's a big article about the outsiders on the Wikipedia that started from the very beginning and carried up pretty much up to current about the former members that had come and had gone and that sued each other and this and that oh, and the other. All right. It's quite a story. It's www.theoutsidersusalive.com. Right Wonderful. on. Couldn't have been said better. I should have let him just do the whole ending. I know. <laughs> I'm like, All right. you so asked. Yeah. U.S. Alive or U.S.A. Live, however you want to say it. Got it.
Well, thanks All so right, much. Folks. And we are going to play his song. Here we go. Right now. So you thought I'd call back to you. So you thought I'd crawl back to you. Saw your picture the other day. Ain't it funny how things changed? When you look in the other way And I've got a heart too And I don't know what you're trying to prove And it breaks with everything that you do And I've got a heart Boom! Thank you so much, Ricky. Yeah, Ricky is so awesome. Wonderful.